You're listening to The Healthy Sensitive. Welcome, everybody, to The Healthy Sensitive, a podcast for highly sensitive people who want to take the radical approach of living big, vibrant, exciting, and fulfilling lives in a way that still allows for sanity, contentment, joy, sleep, (laughs) you know, basically figuring out how to live a balanced life. Uh, I'm Leah Burkhart, your hostess on the show. And today, I want to actually dive into the shadow aspects of what it is to be a highly sensitive person. Leave it to me to want to go there. Um, So this was inspired by, uh, I don't know if it was a man or a woman, but I recently posted a blog article that I wrote, and it's called Rebranding Sensitivity. And the thesis that I was driving in it was, well, that in so many instances, sensitivity is seen as almost derogatory. And I don't think it necessarily should be considered that way. You know, people say, oh, if you're sensitive, it must mean that you're weak. That's the general consensus that most people, it's part of why so many people who are highly sensitive struggle to identify as having that trait within them, because who wants to be seen as that guy? And the reality is, at least this is the argument I'm making, sensitivity is a neutral trait. It's not an all-encompassing label that I think we should be starting to ascribe, like, oh, I am highly sensitive, as in that encompasses all of who I am as a human being, but more of a, yeah, that's a trait. I have brown hair and brown eyes, and I have sensory processing sensitivity, and that trait impacts how I experience the world. And knowing that fact and being able to communicate it effectively is helpful. So that's really the work I'm trying to do with High sensitivity is just really helping people to come to terms with what it really means and how it might be treated as an asset. Anyway, so in the article, I'm sort of saying it's not good, it's not bad, it's neutral. And it can be positive if we hone it, uh, if we are intentional. There was a response to the article from someone who was trying to basically say, well, it is possible to be too sensitive. And what he seemed to mean by that, because he used an example, I'm I'm saying he, I don't actually know if it was a man or a woman, but we're going to use a generic he. What he seemed to be saying, uh, in using as an example, was that, you know, there was an office situation where someone said something, it wasn't clear what the something was, but the content seemed to rub someone else the wrong way. And so it, it turned into a big debacle. And, you know, it was one of those things where this particular writer seemed to think, if it was really taken into context, it, it really should not have necessarily been felt as an insult and so on and so forth. And I make no judgments as to whether the content was good or bad or whether there, it was justified in being, uh, I don't, it, whether this person who said this thing, whatever the thing was, was justified in being reprimanded. But first of all, as far as call-out culture is concerned, because I think that's what this person was alluding to, the the toxic nature of call-out culture. And just to be clear, I am not a fan of call-out culture. Also, to be clear, that's pretty easy for me to say as a basically middle-class white girl in America. Having said that, as my disclaimer, uh, 
I'm seeing how other white women are doing the whole call out thing to white men. And not even me as the white woman who would benefit from their efforts. There are times when I'm standing back going, oh, girl, like you are going about that way wrong. <laughs> um, I- I'm someone who, when trying to engage with another human being, my first go-to is to try and assume best intentions. And from that place, try and, and carry on a conversation. And to be honest, that sometimes gets me into trouble, but it gets me into trouble a whole lot less than what other people might presume would be the, would be the case. In fact, I would say that going about communication in that way has been, on the whole, far more helpful than it's ever been a hindrance. And so it's sort of like a good example was a professor who was basically saying that it's now gotten to the point that they, they're they afraid to teach and be, uh, what's the word, controversial. Like they're afraid to stir up controversy in their classrooms because they're afraid that not only will a student call them out, but they could potentially get fired. And that's a pretty dangerous spot to be in because I don't know about you, but I loved controversy in the classroom. I liked when a teacher was willing to kind of poke me a little bit and get my little, you know, get me all flustered and my feathers reveled up. Like I, I liked that because then when it forced out of me was, well, attention. Like I was suddenly compelled to want to learn more so that I could, you know, pummel whoever it was that was saying something I didn't like, but with logic and, and that made things interesting. And I always assumed best intentions, and so I think did most of the other people in the class. And so that really, for me at least, in my personal experience, I, I appreciated someone who was willing to, to put themselves out there and say something and, or, or ask controversial questions. Or, you know, really, and I don't mean offensive. I mean, you're talking to an HSP here. So if anyone was going to feel offended, it would be me. And I appreciated that there were folks that were willing to say, you know, give controversial arguments, discussion questions, and so on. So this particular person seemed to be coming from that place. The place of, you know, there is such a thing as being too sensitive. Now, personally, I don't think that sensitivity has much to do with that. I, I, at least, well, they might be correlated, but I don't think that they're one and the same. To be sensitive, as I just said, or as I said just a few moments ago, is to detect and respond quickly to one's environment. I think that that can possibly be correlated with taking some things too personally, but I don't think being sensitive and taking things personally are the same thing. And so, at any anyway, rate... Having said all of that, it did get me thinking. It is true that a lot of highly sensitive people tend to take things too personally. That's a common complaint that comes up from those I know who are not sensitive and who know people and love people who are. So that was the inspiration for this podcast topic. It's like, let's kind of go into that a little bit because... I can say all day long, hey, sensitivity and taking things personally are different. But doesn't that kind of mean that I was being sensitive to his feedback? Hmm. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so I'm going to cover five of what I would consider maybe shadow aspects of a highly sensitive person. Uh, the first that I want to cover is being easily over aroused. I I've gotten constructive feedback, well, sometimes deconstructive 
feedback now that I'm thinking of it, but I've been told on more than one occasion that I'm a little too, oh, well, too sensitive to stimulus. Like I, I, I could stand to beef up and thicken my skin a little. That's the best way I've heard it spoken to me. Now, evidently, I'm not the only one. Shocking. So what do I mean by easily over-aroused? Well, try and remember that those who have the trait, high sensory processing sensitivity, seem to be taking in more data on average than the, than the average person. And so they're, they're taking in more information from their environment. It's not clear to me whether, what that, whether that means that their brain is taking it all in unconsciously or if they're deliberately trying to, I, I don't know exactly, but what seems to be true is that they're taking in more information and at the same time, they're processing every data point more deeply. So to give a very superficial example, the average person might look around the room and see 10 things and they might spend one minute per thing I mean, those are just random numbers, but they spend one minute per item that they've seen in their environment digesting it. An HSP would maybe see 15 things and then spend two or three minutes on every one of them. So this is kind of where, like, this is why a highly sensitive person might be more prone to overstimulation. So if you have two people, one who's a non-HSP and one who's an HSP, and they're both sitting in the room together and the room has music and there's flashy lights and there's lots of conversation and there's just a lot going on, the non-HSP is probably going to feel, I mean, potentially overstimulated at some point, but the HSP, so the person who has sensory processing sensitivity, is going to feel like that, it's going to hit that overwhelm mark sooner. And that's not necessarily good or bad, but that's part of the complaint that, highly sensitive people raise. The problem is sometimes highly sensitive people have a tendency to use that as an excuse not to go do things that maybe they just don't want to do. Or they might use that unconsciously as a reason why they can't do things that they actually do want to do. So an example might be, oh, I would love to be able to go out and network and get a better job, but I mean, I'm such a set, like, I'm so easily overstimulated. I don't know if I can handle going out with, to a networking event. You'll notice I use that example a lot because it's probably one of the most sort of baseline things that comes in with my clients. It's like, oh, I have to get out there and I don't want to. <laughs> so, okay. This, what I want to kind of go through here is, all right, let's say that you are easily overstimulated. You're, the over arousal is a thing. Well, what can you do? Because you can't spend your, well, I mean, maybe you can, but I don't personally want to spend my life hiding from what life has to offer me just because I'm easily overstimulated. I don't want to not go to concerts that artists I adore are putting on simply because I don't want to be overstimulated. I don't want to be gated out of opportunities professionally because I'm easily overstimulated and I don't want to miss out on the potential to meet my next best buddy or my next, I don't know, lover. I mean, the next wild romance could come out of a happenstance event that I attended and I would have missed it if I had just said, well, that's too hard. I don't want to. So there's a reward to be gleaned from being willing to put yourself out there. 
Um, and I think examples that one example that uh, Elaine Aaron gives is like an Olympian who, you know, she loves her sport. She's a fabulous gymnast, but she hates the crowds and she hates the, the noise and she's easily overstimulated. So even though she herself is phenomenal at her sport, the logistics that are involved are extremely uncomfortable. Okay, so what do you do? Like, what can you do to offset some of these challenges? One of them is just, well, take your fabulous, highly sensitive brain, which, by the way, tends to be pretty creative, and come up with some creative solutions. So let's say, for example, that you want to go to that concert. Well, be, think about this. What are the aspects of the concert that you're drawn to? You want to be there for the music, but you're not crazy about the crowds. Well, maybe purposefully select concert mm, venues, I guess. Yeah, venues that you know are mm, built in such a way as to be more accommodating to a sensitive person. Maybe don't go to the Coliseum. Maybe go to that smaller concert hall that's in a local city that isn't so wild and overwhelming and crazy. You know, maybe be deliberate about where you go in order to experience the things you want to experience. Um, I would say the same thing about networking. You know, go to spaces that you know are timed. Go to places that you know have a limited amount of people that they invite in um, that are clear about what the expectations are. You can even go to networking events where they have it more organized. Like there's some that you go to and it's a free-for-all. It's like, okay, we got you here. Like, go forth, exchange business cards. And of course, I don't know about you, but I'm sitting there being like, okay, this is awkward. <laughs> I could do it, but it doesn't, it, it takes a lot of energy out of me. But there are also networking events where they're more intentional, where they might have you sit in tables and they might give you thoughtful questions and they might give you prompts. I don't know which one would be more fitting for you, but just, you know, kind of think about what it would take to make you more comfortable. And we live in a world now where that thing that you're thinking might make you more comfortable probably exists. And if it doesn't, make one. Like, I love meeting new people and I love having deep discussions. Well, the problem with having, you know, meeting new people is most people don't necessarily want to dive immediately into having deep discussions. So I made up my own meetup group. It's called Curiosiverts. <laughs> and I basically said in the description, here's what I want. Like, basically, I just want you to come. I want, if you're someone who likes to think about, think, you know, you're the person who doesn't want to hear no politics or religion. You're the person who wants to go there. And you want to, you know, dive deep really quickly and go into interesting topics. Come. And surprise, surprise, people came. And they seemed to enjoy it. And it's not because, you know, oh, it was just, I am so awesome. I'm the fabulous facilitator. I mean, I might be. That'd be cool to think. But really, it was just, I was clear and intentional about what it was I was trying to build. So I attracted the kinds of people who would appreciate that setup. And then I got to be able to do the thing I wanted to do because I made it. So get creative. You know, if you want to engage in the world more frequently, but you're not crazy about the options you have at your disposal, make a new one. Uh, another thing you can do, of course, is say no. I say this all the time. You know, say no to things that you don't want to do. If you feel like you're getting overstimulated, figure out ways to cancel out the things that are unnecessary. Um, you might also consider developing methods for self-soothing. So for me, especially in light of all of the information I'm learning about with respect to emotions, and we'll actually get into emotional stuff in just a minute, but, you know... 
just getting curious about my sensations. Because I think it's very easy for me, at least, to make assumptions about, oh my god, I'm getting overstimulated and it's really, ah! Well, I mean, yeah, but am I sure? Because some of that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So it's worth, you know, is there are there breathing exercises that you can engage in? Um, can you maybe beforehand let people know, hey, you know, I might need to step out every once in a while. I really want to go and do this thing with you. I'm excited, but um, I sometimes get a little, ugh, you know, overstimulated. So it can really help me out if sometimes I can just go up, step outside for a minute and take a breath and then come back in. Is that okay with you? If they're a decent human being, they'll probably say, yeah, no problem. If they're not, they might go, ew, no, that's weird. Well, I don't even know if that even, that doesn't mean they're not decent. But if that's a deal breaker for them, that should indicate to you whether or not you want to continue to invest in that friendship because clearly that's going to make a rift. Um, you might consider meditation. Meditation in uh, is, I mean, it's known for doing all kinds of wonderful things, but in particular, it gives you the space between that moment where you think you're having it, like it gives you space between you, the you that is deeper than your ego, deeper than your story and the observing self and the reactions that you think you're having it's sort of like saying i am not my thoughts there's there's a, something within me that exists and there are thoughts that are coming up and there's a distinction between those two things and the more you meditate the more space you can get from those things and if you want more information about that please let me know um and you know make sure that you're rested and healthy so if you want to go and do something that's a little out of your comfort zone Make sure that it's a done, you know, you don't make plans before it and you don't make plans after it. You give yourself a day to rest and kind of recharge. And then be prepared. You know, as an example, if you're going to do something new, have have a toolkit with you. Like for me, what that means is having water because I want to stay hydrated. It might mean having earplugs if I go to a concert because it's, it's odd. Sometimes having earplugs allows me to hear the music better because it drowns out the crowd. That sounds weird, but try it sometime. You might find the same thing. Um, or it might mean having sunglasses if you're going to be out in the sun, having plenty of food so you don't go hungry. HSPs are notoriously terrible at being hungry. We are the champions of hanger. <laughs> um, so you're trying to basically make success more likely. And then, you know, take breaks. Get support from people. Um, eliminate things that are going to, that are, you don't need to do and that you don't like. In favor, so you can save up that energy for the things you want to try and want to have. And, you know, so those are some things that you can do when you're dealing with overstimulation. The next mm, challenge for highly sensitive people is this, they have stronger emotional reactions. This is what they're known for. And this, I think, is getting back to what the individual who, who posted on my blog article, it was getting at, you know, he was sort of saying, you should, I think the heart of what he was saying is please don't jump to conclusions. Don't jump to the worst possible interpretation of what it is that people are saying around you. Consider being thoughtful and consider engaging with that person in a way that allows for constructive communication to occur as opposed to just finger pointing and, and immediately going to the, to the realm of reprimand. Now, this was... You know, the idea of emotional reactivity is especially interesting in light of some of the, the topic I spoke about last week, you know, emotional intelligence and what where emotions really come from, which evidently, I mean, at least based on Barrett's work, is 
you know, our assumptions were wrong. So I've read a number of articles that talk about, well, highly sensitive people are just really sensitive to criticism because, and they emotionally react because their limbic system is just, you know, it's on fire more often and that overrides their thinking brain. And it turns out, no, there's no limbic system versus thinking brain. It's all one system. So if you, my dear sweet HSP, have ever tried to lean on your trait as a means of saying, well, this is why I'm emotional, okay? Oh, God. Um, mm, you're kind of making it up. Sorry. <laughs> Don't worry, though. I've already, I've done that too. So you're in good company. What can you do, though? Because the reality is, it's not just in your head. It's not like, oh, your emotional experience, oh, that's wrong. All of that which you've come to believe is wrong, and so you no longer are allowed to be validated in your experience. That's not where I'm going at all, and that's not where Lisa Barrett was going either. Your experience is real, but what she was making the case for, which she was trying to uh, uh, illustrate in her work, was... It's not like emotions are concepts that we learn from culture. Culture teaches us about emotions. What our, our brain only really knows sensations. So our system is constantly trying, is like taking in all of these sensations, all this data, and then desperately trying to like uh, create concepts so that it can ex we can better understand our world. And part of that world is our, is our internal world. So it makes sense that if you have sensory processing sensitivity, so everything that you're sensing, you're sensing with more intensity, that that wouldn't like that when you're experiencing your inner world, you know, when you're nervous, you get butterflies in your tummy too, but it's going to feel a little more intense because your nervous system is primed to be a little more vigilant. It makes sense that your experience of something like nervousness or sadness then would feel a little bit more intense. Sadness is a concept that we're using to put on the sensory information we're gathering. So sadness for the average person is one thing. Sadness for an HSP might be something a little bit more intense. And then as a result, you might get a reactivity or you might see reactivity from that person that seems a little incongruent. But it doesn't feel incongruent to the HSP. So what can they do to like, what can you do if you're a highly sensitive person and you're, you're noticing your emotions kind of like take over and you're kind of going like, whoa, I don't know what to do. This feels bigger than me. Well, one of the things you can do is kind of gets back to what I talked about last week with regard to emotional granularity. Uh, you can start getting really specific, like the more granular your concepts become so instead of just there's sad and there's mad and there's happy and there's sad or whatever sad mad happy mm, calm I don't know what that Nick whatever let's say that those were your only four concepts well mad could encompass frustrated infuriated uh feelings it, it could it could justify or it could uh, encapsulate a sense of injustice as well as a sense of fatigue you know sadness well maybe you're sad or maybe you're melancholy or maybe you're just apathetic are you happy or are you content you know, the, the more specific you get it's almost like you're giving yourself a, a greater toolkit to describe your experience which is important for an hsp in particular because they do experience the world with such nuance and such intensity. 
So really taking inventory of your emotions and continuing to collect increasingly specific descriptions of how of your emotions. Um, you might consider the advantage of this. I mean, the advantage of having a really nuanced experience of the world and uh, an intense experience of the world is intense joy. I mean, if you've seen an HSP when they are having a good time, they're in awe. Like, it is not difficult to amuse a person with sensory processing sensitivity. You know, the ding of a bell can be interesting to someone with sensory processing sensitivity. Um, another thing you might want to play with is, you know, we often, I say we, I know for me personally, I have a habit of anticipating how miserable I might be when I'm in a space that's going to, you know, stir up my emotions. And often my anticipation is false or it's wrong. Uh, I anticipate it's going to be terrible and then I go and it ends up being fine. So be leery of your predictions because that's all they are. They're predictions. And the brain is constantly making predictions. It makes sense that it's a highly sensitive brain would be making predictions that might be a little bit more over the top. Um, get comfortable with change because change is the name of the game. And ways that you can do that would be things like constantly being prepared, you know, knowing how to self-soothe, um, taking things one step at a time, that sort of stuff. Uh, another thing you might want to consider is recruiting support. You know, when it comes to emotional reactivity, the more you can communicate your experience to other people in a calm fashion, or at least in a compassionate way, the better. So this kind of get and once again gets back to that the response in from the blog article. It really seemed like this person was sort of taken aback, like whoa, I something I said was interpreted way out of line. That was so not where I was going. You know, it, it seemed like the frustration from that person's perspective was no one was even curious. Like, they didn't even ask. And I totally would have changed what it was I said if I had known. Like, why, did, was, why didn't anyone engage? So be willing to engage. And then also maybe consider the kinds of things that are most likely to conjure emotions that are really uncomfortable for you. And be willing to make increasingly subtle distinctions between each and every one of your descriptions of your emotions. Finally, I would say, you know, express anger appropriately. Because one of the things that highly sensitive people struggle with, in my experience, is feeling comfortable being angry. So even identifying that there is anger and then being able to communicate it well. You know, being able to do those things can be tremendously helpful. Because HSPs tend to be people pleasers. And so they have this weird thing happening where it's like, I'm so mad at you, but I'm terrified to say anything because I don't want to have to deal with conflict and I don't want to add more tension to the situation. Well, maybe your anger is justified. In fact, anger is what is inspired when, like the, the difference between anger and disappointment. Disappointment is unmet expectations. Anger is a sense of injustice. If you have anger and it's, inspired by a sense of injustice, that anger is, forgive me, justified. Do something with it. Harness it. Lots of people have used anger in really constructive ways. So when I say that emotions are just cultural concepts, I'm not saying, and therefore your experience is invalid. What I'm saying is, it's a cultural construct. So get better and better at describing it with increasing amounts of specificity and detail. 
Another problem that HSPs tend to have, low self-esteem. We might, um, well, um, well, you might notice, um, that we, uh, mm, have problems, um, communicating, uh, how we feel about things, because we, um, we don't always, um, think we're, oh, worth, um, putting ourselves out there. It's infuriating. <laughs> like, it's not infuriating, but it can be frustrating as I'll get out for most other homo sapiens who are just like, I love you and I really do think you're awesome. I don't want to have to keep telling you that. Get a little self-confidence, why don't you? So, well, first of all, why might they have low self-esteem? That seems obvious to me. They've been told pretty much perpetually that they're weirdos because we are. I mean, we're only 20% of the public, which is a large minority, but it is a minority. So most people are listening to us describe our lives and, and our experience of that life. And they're sort of shaking their head going, I don't know what's going on. So that seems to me like, it, of course, that would lend itself to having a lower sense of self-esteem. So what are you going to do with that, though? Well, identify it, first of all. Catch yourself when you notice that you're saying things like, oh no, it doesn't matter, or I don't matter, even if you're not saying it explicitly. You say, I don't matter, every time that you don't voice your needs. You know, if, if you're in a relationship and they keep kind of taking the car and, and driving right over your opinions and your needs, well, if you don't say anything, how are they supposed to do anything differently? Um, you, you say, I don't matter every time that you go with the flow when really you don't want to go in that direction. So what can you do? First thing you can maybe do is kind of reframe your past, reframe the things that people have said were negative about you into something that's either neutral or positive. If you were told over and over and over again, my God, you're too sensitive. Reframe that. I'm not too sensitive. I am sensitive and that's fine. It's not good, it's not bad, it's fine. Or you can even go a step beyond and say, yeah, I'm sensitive, and that's awesome. So, you know. Be careful, though. Don't reframe in a way that you don't actually believe. So it's kind of getting to the concept of affirmations. Research suggests that affirmations work against you if you don't actually believe in the affirmation. So like when, you know, they say, oh, stare into the mirror and say, you're going to be a millionaire. If you don't actually believe that, you're going to be poor and you're going to constantly feel even worse about the fact that you're poor and so far away from being a millionaire. I mean, versus if you really and truly believe the thing that you're saying. So if you want to reframe it, reframe it in a way that really truly resonates with reality for you. Uh, get out there and meet other sensitive people. One of the most empowering things I've ever done is met other people who can identify with some of the, the, I keep using this word experience, but some of the experiences I've had and the way that I describe my reality, as soon as there was another human on the planet who could say, whoa, yeah, me too. That felt phenomenal. I even went to a, a highly sensitive support group recently, and it just felt amazing to have 10 other humans in the room and all describe experiences I've had and they were distinctly themselves you know that that guy in that left in that corner over there was very different from me and so was the girl sitting next to him and so was the man sitting next to her and so on but we had 
this one thing in common. And so it was really clear that in, in moving through the world in the way that we did, there, we had this thing that was linking us together. And that felt great because it was a reminder that, okay, I'm not alone. And it was great because it, we didn't spend the whole time going, yes, yeah, stupid world and their stupid, unsensitive ways. It was just, oh, this makes so much more sense now. This is why I experience it in this way. Okay, cool. Um, find ways to communicate your trait to people that feels really natural to you. So that way you're not constantly, you know, apologizing for yourself, but just explaining Hey, this is how I am. This is something that, you know, this is a part of me. I I have, some people have excellent hearing and some people have crappy hearing. Some people are not super sensitive and some people are. And I'm on the other side of that spectrum. My little nervous system is, you know, way vigilant. And the upside to that is I'll be really conscientious and I'll, I'll, I'll care about your comfort. There's lots of good things that's going to come of that, my friend. But... This is also what, you know, this is the shadow side to that. So the better you can get at describing how you feel and how, how the world impacts you, and if you can do it in a way that doesn't sound like you're apologizing for it, but you're just describing it, you might be surprised. The more I start describing how the world feels when I'm in it, uh, most people find it interesting, especially those who are not highly sensitive people. They think, whoa, that's... I, that's not how I feel at all when I'm moving in the world. Whoa, I'm glad you told me. You know, most people are not, forgive my language, most people are not assholes. They, they're just doing the best they can. And they're happy to do anything they can to make you more comfortable. But given that they're not maybe as sensitive as you are and aren't constantly scanning the room um, for problems or, or, you know, in the same way that potential, they are not being as attentive to you as perhaps you would be for them because they're not built that way. But the upside to that is if you're clear and communicate effectively with them, they probably won't get their feelings hurt in the same way that you might. <laughs> so there's a lot that can be, there's, it's, it can be a tremendous gift that you give to people when you just describe how you feel and, and why you feel that way. So there's that. Um, wrong lifestyle is another thing that pops up a lot with highly sensitive people. They can sometimes overcorrect. So they'll work their butts off. They'll, they'll try and sort of say, no, I'm not sensitive. They'll go into jobs that drain the life out of them. And, and that can go in either direction. They might go into a corporate executive job that pays really well, but makes them miserable because they're working 70 hours a week. And that just isn't conducive to keeping a sensory processing, sensitively, sensitivity, nervous system intact. Or you might have a situation where they went the other direction and they are barely making ends meet because they're terrified to go out there and, and get a job that would pay a living wage or something. So you want to be mindful of what your needs are, physical, emotional, intellectual, etc. And it's, it's never going to be perfect, but you're just using as a compass. It's like, what are the times in your life when you feel like you have the most energy? And what are the times when you have the least? So wrong lifestyle might mean you're not getting enough sleep. It might mean you're eating poorly. It might mean you're not moving or meditating. It might mean, I mean, that's really the area that I spend a lot of my time in as a health coach. It's helping people develop a lifestyle that is most conducive to their health. And from there, 
it's much easier to start developing a better sense of self-esteem, better communication, better relationships, better work, and so on. Um, So wrong lifestyle can be wrong job, wrong, you know, not taking care of themselves, overcorrecting and trying to say, no, 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 I'm not actually that sensitive, when in fact, they are. And then finally, overreactions to criticism. And this also gets back to that article I mentioned uh, about, you know, the person who said, hey, hey, you can maybe be too sensitive. And overreactions to criticism, in my mind, is, as I said in the beginning, it's really taking things too personally. And I don't think taking things personally and being sensitive are one and the same. I've been given feedback that was constructive. So they were giving me, they were criticizing me. And there were plenty of times when it was like, okay, well, I'm not going to take that personally. You're just giving me feedback. Now, obviously, if someone says something to you in a way that is clearly cruel, you know, there are times when perhaps taking things personally is appropriate. You know, if someone just comes out and is cussing you out and is like just throwing out insults, that's not communication. Those are, that's a tantrum. And I've had experiences like that with people where they just throw out insult after insult. And, you know, maybe for two non-HSPs, they can just go at it. You know, like they can punch each other with words all day long. For me personally, it, it may or may not hurt my feelings, but I'm just, it's just exhausting. I want no part of that. But I do want to, I want to better myself and I want to improve. And so I need feedback on the things that I'm doing poorly and or things that I could improve in easily. I need that feedback. So if you're con- concerned about criticism, the first thing you might want to consider is that, you know, if they've said something that's really cruel, in all likelihood, it ain't about you. They had a crappy day and you are just there. Maybe don't assume that whatever it is they're doing is actually because of you. So those examples that come into my mind are maybe your boss kind of says some snide remark to you on the way into his office or her office, or maybe your partner is just, I can't believe we're talking about this again. Or I don't know, like something that's sort of off the cuff Maybe it has to do with you, but maybe not. Maybe they're just having a crappy day. So don't just jump right to the assumption that what they're saying at that moment is what they're actually feeling about you. Um, The next thing to consider is beforehand, you can let people know how you best receive criticism. I want, this is something I, I remember having to tell a partner of mine. It's like, listen, if you want me to change my behavior, one of the best things you can do is pair. I don't even need a compliment sandwich, but maybe the compliment that matches up with the insult or not the insult, but the criticism. So as an example, I love it when you do X, when you do Y, it's really difficult. So if you could do more of X and less of Y, that would be fantastic. Um, you know, like if, here's what you do that I think is great, Leah. You are thoughtful and you leave, um, you're very open. You're, there's nothing judgmental about the way that you coach people. That's great. The other side of that though is, you know, some people sometimes really need feedback that's more directive. They want you to tell them what to do sometimes. You need to know when it might be appropriate to just kind of tell people, all right, listen, like, come to Jesus, baby. You gotta, you gotta do this. You're doing it or you're not doing it. 
as they say, shit or get off the pot or whatever. Something that's a little bit more assertive, maybe even on the line of aggressive. Some people need that. And most people who do need, they might just need it 1% of the time, but you got to know when to lean on that crutch. So if I receive feedback like that, I immediately, I'm able to kind of figure out, oh, okay. So my strength is in holding a space for people in a positive and or neutral way. And that's what I'm doing well. It's just the downside of that is there are some times when I'm not providing the structure that people need to really flourish and succeed when they otherwise could. Great. Now, if someone were to just say to me, Jesus, Leah, what's wrong with you? You, All you ever do, like, enough with the fluff. Just be direct. I'd be sitting there going, oh, it's, it's very easy for me to assume that that's all I'm doing is bad. There's nothing positive in what I'm doing. And part of the reason for that, remember, is that people with high sensory processing sensitivity take in data and they digest it more deeply. So it's not like, oh, my, my little feelers were hurt and that's why you need to be nicer to me. Maybe my feelings did get hurt, but it's really because that sensory data that's coming into my system is letting me know, ooh, this is wrong. And that can be felt a little bit more intensely in an HSP because their sensory processing sensitivity is higher. So it's, it's really kind of a no-brainer when, when you start realizing it, what the, all of this boils down to. And the fact that it keeps boiling down to sensitivity, as in a nervous system that's just more vigilant. It's not woo-woo, and it's not weakness. It's just vigilance. It's not a big deal. And if you know that, a lot of these shadow aspects of being sensitive start to make a whole lot more sense. And so you'll notice over and over and over the answer or the remedy is to be deliberate, it's to be thoughtful, it's to be clear. And the first person you want to be deliberate, thoughtful, and clear with is yourself. Stop assuming that you're weak or assuming that you're better than everyone else. Don't assume that you have, you know, like that your low sense of self-esteem is appropriate and warranted. But don't assume that you should be cocky and narcissistic and awful. It's just be willing to check in and be clear about what's happening for you. And then communicate that to people that you care about. And so... I'm hoping these tidbits are useful to you. Now, a little bit of uh, logistics here. Uh, I I think I've mentioned, uh, been mentioning for several weeks now that I've got part two of the How to Be a Highly Sensitive Superhero series. Uh, It was coming, it was coming. It is now out. (laughs) Woohoo! So if you go to www.thehealthysensitive.com, part one is about building the foundation. And so there's a lot of wellness practices And that includes things like meditation and it includes things like, you know, nutrition and uh, all of the, all that good stuff. So if you're curious, please take a look. If you are a member, it's $5 a month and you get access to any courses that I build. So you should have access to both of the two courses and then you'll continue to get access to those courses as they increase in number. Or if you'd like, you can just purchase them one on like purchase a course sort of a la carte. That's fine, too. Um, And the first part, as I mentioned, is the foundations. The second part is building community. So I talk a lot about some of the things I I went over today and uh, in a little bit more detail, like what is what, what do I mean by community? How can we build community effectively? How do we do it without getting overwhelmed? Um, How do we be our best selves in a community? 
And how do we maybe redefine a community so that it works for us, as opposed to always assuming that a community necessitates having 250 Facebook friends? Because <laughs> it's not necessary. Woohoo! Anyway, <clears throat> so what I'm trying to do now, uh, in the community page, uh, I'll be updating several times throughout the week. And what I'm trying to kind of do is have a platform where there's more of like a, there's more practicum, there's more practices that you can engage with. And that's what my posts will be about on a, maybe not daily, but potentially every other day or so. So it'll just be a little short video followed by, you know, thoughtful questions for you to be thinking about. You can take it with you. I love hearing your responses. Uh, a lot of folks that are in the community right now are still being very quiet and that's totally fine. But if you are want to be brave and, and put your voice out there, I'd be delighted to hear it. And if you're in the community and you're still feeling a little shy and you don't necessarily want to jump in and sort of voice your thoughts uh, and feel that vulnerable, but you do want to chat with me, please don't hesitate. Yeah, you can email me at leah at thehealthysensitive.com. Always happy to hear from you. Or if you go to my website, www.thehealthysensitive.com, uh, the first page, like the intro page, has a contact me form on it. And you could even just put in your information that way. And that filters directly to my email. And so if you're sort of sitting here listening to me talk and you're like, oh, that's great. Where's your membership page? I don't know where that is. Uh, go to my website, www.thehealthysensitive.com. And you'll see it says uh, join the community. You click on it and it'll take you directly to uh, how you can join the community. So and if you have questions or concerns or anything of that nature at all, please reach out to me. Send me an email, leah at thehealthysensitive.com. Or if you're just, you're not really sure, uh, you're kind of just want to put your toe in the water, you know, let me know. I'm, I'm happy to explore it with you in any way that seems helpful. So yeah. And then of course, last but not least, if you are interested in one-on-one -on -one coaching and attention, I'm always delighted to, you know, that's my passion. So uh, please let me know if that's something of interest to you in your email. Um, it's also part of a package that you can take advantage of in the community as well. I think that's about it. So I look forward to checking in with you next week. If I don't hear from you, then just know that I'm sending you all of the positive juju imaginable. Uh, yeah, have a great week and bye-bye.